Welcome back to this week's recap on Here to Make It Queer. This week we have episode five of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, which was the Ruru vision, uh, which is a mouthful. Um, and I'm Adam and I'm wearing all that and a bag of chips. Hi there, I'm Harry and I fucking hate H&M! Don't ever wear it! Said RuPaul. <coughs> oh, that took me out of it. And this week, we are joined by a very special guest. The only Trump I will allow in my household. No, not Havana. It's Donna Trump. So let's get straight into our recap. Now, yeah, that's recording. Um, so welcome back to Here to Make It Queer. We have the fabulous Donna Trump with us, which, as Harry said in our introduction, is the only Trump we will allow on the podcast. <laughs> I'm glad about that. I am glad about that. I could be <laughs> swayed for Ivana Trump, though. I do, I do love a bit of Ivana. <laughs> Get me that skier in there. <laughs> but. As long as it's not, like, as long as it's not, like, anybody else. I, don't, yeah. I think Ivana, I can, I, I can be like, okay. She'd be just um, about. <laughs> just about, yeah. And I yeah. think Melania would be a very interesting to have a conversation with, but... <laughs> Yeah, she'd be one of those people that would be great post. We'd say, oh, we finished recording, and that's when she'd slag everyone off. Yeah. <laughs> totally. She would have totally. things to say. Speaking of which, we have a lot to say, because this we, week was intense. It was definitely something. So we ended the last episode with, they were all sat down, like, Veronica had some opinions, which mm. is like a recurring theme um, I've noticed. <laughs> And then the alarm sounds, production ends, and they're all basically told to go home because there's a pandemic. And seven months, they have a massive seven month break and they, mm. we realise they get to take everything home with them and work on it, which I did not expect. I didn't think they would have been allowed. I thought production would have kept costumes. That's what, but then it was when they started coming back into the workroom, I was like, where's all the stuff? Yeah. I think it's because um, I'm assuming with anything like that, it's their responsibility. And nobody's going to be there. So yeah, that's they a good have point. to take everything back. Because I was under the impression they uh, would have... I'm assuming. I, uh, if not, I thought they would have logged what they brought with them to make sure they didn't almost, like, come back with a, a seven-month glow-up. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think, ultimately, having a seven-month glow-up would do... Like, I think it would be very interesting to see. Yeah. Like, everybody just elevate everything in seven months. And, like, I think, well, we'll get on to that later. We'll Absolutely. Because <laughs> I think it could sort of go one of two ways. You could either bring everything back, like, new and fresh, or be like, no, I'm happy with it. But because it's based on size and weight, and they've already done four episodes, they can dump all that stuff and fit even more in. Yeah. People have been able yeah. to bring alternative outfits, maybe more uh, makeup, bigger wigs. There's definitely a, a chance to really up their game per yeah. seven months. But, oh, I mean, definitely. Why not as well, I suppose? It's the only time we've ever had a real cut in the series. I think season four had a one-week stop once. And I think that's the only season that had like a real pause in production. So seven months is a quite an intense one. I think it's really interesting because they had seven months and they had seven months to know exactly who their competition is. Yeah. They know exactly what runways have been done and what runways are yet to come. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because they, they kind of have that advantage of going, okay, 
this person's my competition. This person was really good at this, this, and this. Yeah. These challenges have happened. These are still yet to come. Like, I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Um, I, and I yeah. think, I think the girls that are involved in the show, I think it was very, very interesting for them to go through as well and for us to witness that. Yeah, I do. And for me, I mean, I'd love the idea that they were all sat at home practicing Snatch Game on a Zoom call. Yes. <laughs> I just love the idea you that imagine? everyone sat at home going, oh, and Dolly Parton, what do you think? Oh, <laughs> Kim Woodburn, what's your opinion? <laughs> we're going to have a really absolute... good Snatch Game. Yeah, like, this is the most time anyone's ever had to prepare a Snapchat. Eight game. months. We better not have any, like, Beyonce, Lady Gaga catastrophes. <laughs> but what did we think of the actual... I think only time will tell. <laughs> it's going to be an intense one. But we, we were blessed mm-hmm. with a nice little behind-the-scenes of the Queens. Uh, we got to see some video diaries of them at home, what they've been up to. Uh, mm-hmm. What I will credit it for, I really enjoyed that we even got to see what the Queens who were eliminated were up to. I like that it wasn't just a, oh, here's who's left. It was quite nice to see uh, the real side of Cherry going back and working at the NHS uh, during the pandemic. Yes. And I liked seeing uh, Ginny back home and just working on herself. And we have Veronica talking about costumes she was making. We just got to see a really nice insight to everyone's outside life, which again, never happens on the show. We don't really ever get to see, apart from their <clears throat> confessionals, anything really of their real world life. I think what was interesting as well is that they are, they were in charge of filming that content. Yeah. So they were filming those video diaries at home, um, which is something that I, I thought was really interesting as well for mm. them to have in the Drag Race format. Um, and I think, like, it was just so lovely because I know I know a couple of the girls personally, and. Um, like the one thing I will rate this season of Drag Race is that the girls I know are being portrayed, the majority of them are being portrayed as the people that I know. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, this is, a, like, I loved it. I, I loved seeing like, like I've worked with Cherry very closely and I know that her job is very, very difficult. And I was, I yeah. know that during the pandemic, she was obviously very busy. And then Ginny trying to navigate her life just in general is great. So just, just fills me with joy. Ginny is Ginny is one of the best people. She just makes you smile as soon as you're in the same yeah. room as her. And she just has no she has a no bullshit policy. She just yeah. calls it out. And that's something that I found really refreshing about kind of this drag race yeah. season. Um, and especially with this lockdown special you got to see the inner workings of people like um really interesting to see the relationships with pets um as yeah. well i know that joe's cat isn't is his absolute baby and klaus has become um, somewhat of an internet sensation at the moment as well yeah oh yeah it, that cat's a parrot he's got such cute jumpers Oh yeah, the cutest I think people jumpers. are descending. I think I think Joe's had more PR for the cat than he has. Yeah, for him. <laughs> Joe's cat is the new Arnesha, I think. <laughs> it's the sort of unofficial group now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then obviously we saw them come back into the competition. And I, what I'd, I really liked, I like that they kind of let them re-enter the workroom. 
And I like that there was the welcome back sign. And I thought it was a really nice way to sort of ease the queens back into her. Sorry, we know everything's been a bit hectic. We want to try and like really champion you all to come back. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed them sort of getting to see each other again, pretending that they haven't all been hanging out during lockdown. But <laughs> yeah, that was quite well. Nice. Like obviously, um, uh, go on. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. It... Oh, I'm lost. <laughs> Minor technical difficulties. Um, yeah. We found, like, well, Tace and Ahura both moved in with each other during the lockdown. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a very interesting dynamic because they were friends before the show anyway, but then they became housemates. Yeah. As well as competitors against one another. That's so that was, re- that was really interesting to kind of discover as well. Mm. And again, a dynamic we've never really had on the show before. Yeah. Um, we've no. sort of seen relationships blossom or queens have dated queens but not on the same season so I actually think it was quite interesting to say like oh we're living together now and because again that can really advantage a queen but it could also have the Velasca tox effect of wanting to work so closely with someone that you almost become detrimental to looking at the bigger picture um so it'll be interesting to see how they play out in the competition now they've had that boost from each other I guess Mm -hmm. definitely and Uh, sort of Nope, go for it. They, I mean, they went back in on a good challenge, in my opinion. Like, the Ruru Vision girl group, that's the best challenge to go back in on because I think they're, obviously, they're working in groups, so there's a little bit of, like, bonding again after not being together. Um, I think if they'd gone back into, like, Snatch Game or something, it would have been a completely different sort of vibe. Totally, and I think them working in groups as well, with them being seven months in a pandemic when they got to self-isolate and not, see anybody i think having that bounce off with a person is a real true test as well to see people in that light um and obviously we had um rupaul coming in with a very questionable choice of wig (laughs) yeah what was with the wig um i don't know i'm going to assume Um, either a hair transplant (laughs) or (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or a Ginny Lemon tribute. Yes. Um, I don't... Uh, apparent, like... I know that there was loads of theories that, oh, um, <laughs> she's had another facelift. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, girl, let her do what she wants. She's, like, 60. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, because I noticed she wasn't... Because, obviously, um, I think Rue wears, like, a minimal makeup when she's in the workroom anyway. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't wearing any makeup. Yeah. Um, which was an interesting thing as well. Um, but then we had, obviously, the news that Veronica wasn't returning. Yeah, and um, I think that which was quite th- a sad, sad but interesting, because, again, we've never seen... Yeah. Uh, we've seen, obviously, Eureka got sent home and was asked to come back, um, but that mm. was due to an injury in the competition. We've never had a sort of out-of-the-competition issue that's had to eliminate a queen before. So, it's yeah, it was sad to see her go in... A circumstance that I guess isn't under her completely control, out of her control. Yeah, during a pandemic, because it could have been anyone. It could have ended up being half the cast. You don't know. Um, the fact it was just one is somewhat surprising to me. Mm. But, Definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I was really gutted, but I do like that there was an open invitation for her to return. I don't. I like. I think it would be very harsh for them to not give her yeah. an open <laughs> yeah. invitation. Could you imagine? Like 
all that. She had <laughs> she'd prepped for that whole season. She'd gone home. She waited seven months at home, and then like a week before she had to go back, <laughs> like she was told she can't participate because she's been diagnosed with coronavirus. I know. Like it's <laughs> mental. And this is like, the, hard the least well. they could. The yeah, hard the least. Well, now is that her outfits aren't going to match next year's theme. She's going to have to <laughs> reassess everything. But I really hope she can come back for the finale, and I feel like that'll be a cute moment. Yeah, I have a, I have a feeling that she'll be back for the finale because um, I believe that they shot all the promo stuff straight after finishing yeah. filming, okay. and she was present for all of that. Um, so. I'm sure I'm sure she managed to come back and say howdy to everyone. Yeah. But again, in the wake of we at one side we lost uh, Veronica Green. And before I get into the those we gained, we also gained a lot of uh, new faces in the workroom. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of and beautiful uh, and teeth. Yeah, quite and a lot chins. of teeth. <laughs> we had teeth, chins, new haircuts, cheeks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think half the cast came back. It was almost like when you see All Stars and it's a few years later and everyone's had this like sudden vamp and it's like, oh no, this was seven months worth of lockdown tweakings. <laughs> oh, totally. And I like, I think it's really funny how um, I've seen people be like, oh, she's had work done and she's had this done. And I'm like, like, it's been seven months since you've seen some bits of filming. Like, also, what else are you supposed to do in lockdown? Is that getting into decoupage, I think. Like, well, <laughs> and like, uh, like, Sister was one that like was very open about it. And she was just kind of like, well, they were like, what happened? She was like, well, seven months in lockdown. Like, <laughs> yeah. She was like, oops. <laughs> yeah, because she was, um, when she was on the podcast, just like, just before Christmas, um, I'm mm. Now I realise she probably shouldn't have said this because she basically said that she made it to the bit after lockdown. But she was like, in the beginning, my out-of-drag vibe was broke art school student. But then obviously, because she went back to her old job, she was like, and I came back in designer. It was like a glow-up in that seven <laughs> months. Because you have like the oh, other... Oh, yeah, I remember seeing... I remember seeing Sister in um, on an online show and um, she wore a dress, and I was like, oh, that's TV money dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that is, that is, well. that's TV money. You see they... the Instagram post of here's what I wore on the show, and I'm yeah. like, bloody hell, this, this outfit's had a bit of a glove. I don't remember you having a Chanel bag on the runway yeah. <laughs> seven months ago. But that's, and we had like the other end of the <laughs> extreme, like Ellie was quite open about the fact that she had to apply for unemployment move out of her home and go into a council house and then go back to work and I think Thor I mean as we'll talk about later with the H&M dress RuPaul expected the seventh month glow up but the reality is they're unemployed she went back she had to go back to her old you don't have money to revamp everything I think ultimately I don't think Ru was actually expecting like a seven month glow up I think she would have expected the girls to maybe reassess their point of yeah like interpretation or the way that they would approach certain runways or challenges or looks um just because they they had an advantage they they did have that advantage they yeah. also did have a disadvantage to the point where they had very minimal access to anything 
um, whether that's finances or supplies to make things. Um, and everyone has their personal like situations. We like, I know that obviously in the UK, we were very blessed to kind of have some outdoor performances or like yeah. um, reduced indoor performances. Whereas Scotland, they had nothing. nothing. Yeah. Talking to a lot of Scottish drags, they were like, we haven't worked we're all on job seekers we've all got yeah. tried to get like day, day jobs as they yeah. called it um and that can be quite difficult um and ellie having to like go back like all i could, all i could just think about was imagine being on drag race and then going back to the drive through window you work at yeah that you literally worked at before you went on drag race yeah yeah and I think and not being able to tell your colleagues, having well. to keep it stum still. Just been like, Oh, oh yeah, it's like again. where have you been? Oh, I've been on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I, you know <laughs> It could go like one of two ways. I think she can either come back obviously really motivated because she's now had that break. She wants to keep going because she was doing well before. Or I think it could go the other way. Like that could really she could say, I've put in all of this work, done this, and I'm back to where I was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. it definitely takes a weird hit and um, and I, th- I think that's what I liked about the special is you saw quite openly how every queen has had to interact um, and I know with a lot of the London queens we saw that they were quite blessed um, to be able to still perform at reduced capacities and stuff um, yeah. and like you said Scotland weren't, they were basically just nope that's your job gone for now um, so yeah advan- uh, advantageous to some, disadvantaged for others uh, but you do get that opportunity. I suppose this can be a time to work on your makeup or like prep your wig. So it's like yeah. there can always be something. But at the same time, I suppose you think, oh, it'll be a couple of weeks pause. Or it might be a month pause. After seven months, you just think, am I going back on? And I think a lot of people would have just hit that slump of just going, I, I just need to be real and get a-, a day job, like you said, as most of them called yeah. it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it-, it was a tough one to see happen. Um, but I'm glad we got that insight. Well, Joe ended Definitely. up selling a lot of his stuff. He said in one of his exit interviews, because he had to do them again, um, he was saying how he came back from the show, sold a lot of it off to be able to pay his rent, yeah. and then found out he was going to get Oh, I, re- I remember Joe's sale. Yeah. I and think then, a lot of them did that. Yeah. That would be... Kind of got it, to, I didn't buy anything now. <laughs> well, because then he's having to like not only find the money to buy it back, but find the people to buy it back from. Yeah. And imagine if they were just like, no, you're not having a back. Yeah, this is mine now. Lost a runway. Maybe that's why he's stuck with the H&M dress. <laughs> yeah, Donna stole his other girl group outfit. Donna was like, oh, I'll have all of these. Oh, don't worry. You can- <laughs> these are quite nice. Unfortunately, Joey is a very slender person, <laughs> so I could not fit anything. Including, there was a headpiece that I wanted. And, like, his head's, like, my head's too big. I feel, way I feel too big. And I've got a massive head. <laughs> but I did. I bought a dress off Lawrence Cheney. Nice. Um, so I have an old dress of Lawrence's, um, which she made. And I was just like, I'm like, okay, I know that I can fit into any of Lawrence's dragons <laughs> ever selling anything. <laughs> and now we're waiting for the runway theme where it's like, oh, this week's theme is glitter on the runway. And she just comes out in like a bra. Which is like, I sold it to Donna. <laughs> I fucked myself up. I didn't think we were ever coming back. 
I'm going to open one of those, like, in memoriam, yeah. like, drag race <laughs> museums in my house. Literally. Yeah, this needs and to be the new like, Smithsonian. This was drag worn by so-and-so on the <laughs> runway for this suit. Should we start, like, I think we all need to become collectors of, like, drag race merchandise. We need to just buy into something. I, I want uh, Tia's ice cream cone. <laughs> Do you really? I don't think anyone wants that. <laughs> I think that, that was what she was. I don't think anyone wants that. No, that milkshake is not bringing the boys to the yard. Um, so on a lighter note, after all the drama, the only that, thing I want off that outfit is the cherry. Yeah, I like the cherry. The cherry was lovely. I mean, to, to, she did stone like the swoops of the ice cream, and I was like, okay, maybe she did that in lockdown. Killed half an hour. <laughs> uh, but we got. To, <laughs> we were blessed with seeing the very lovely. Pit crew, question mark, returned to the competition. And once they de-headed their pop outfit, yes. Kel surprise, it was the very lovely eliminated queens of this season, minus Ginny Lemon, who Rue had opinions on. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think, I like, I don't think Rue had like, was like, Ginny was rude or anything. Yeah. I think Rue was like, Ginny doesn't want to come back. She yeah, doesn't want to do it. She's gone, so don't expect a fourth person to be here. But something Harry yeah. and I talked about before we started was in the lockdown special, she had confessionals. Which confused So did us Veronica. A bit. Oh, that is true. Veronica did oh. as well. I forgot about that. I guess they filmed that as a finale, do you think? Yeah, I reckon they did. They must have done um, because it was under the new lighting that you could tell was different. Um, in the confessionals, mm-hmm. and that, that looked like it was done at the time of everyone else, so they, that must have been on the oh. day of coming back to do the promo or something. Because I thought I, think, that, I was like, hmm. <laughs> I think what was, so when they are like, the three eliminated queens came back, um, I think what was nice was that it was keeping the girls that were remaining in the competition on yeah. their toes. Yeah. Um, and for them to have to, the eliminate queens to plead their case of why they should return. Yeah. And then the girls having to vote in front, in front of, them. of everybody. Yeah. I think that's, that's an interesting, that was a very interesting dynamic. Because there was no um, anonymity or, or ballots. It was literally, no. here's why I want you and not the other two. And it was pretty yeah. unanimous as well. Yeah, I think it was. It was five for Joe. Yeah. And I think three and, for Estina. Three for Estina. Oh, two three, even. Or was it? It was oh, two, two for Estina and five for yeah. Joe. Yeah. That was it. And, and, and none for Cherry, which I was really sad about. I was really shocked as well because she. I don't know. She played hard. She was like, I've been working for the bloody NHS. Get me back. Yeah. I, I think RuPaul should have <laughs> been like, veto Cherry, get back in there. <laughs> I think. I think Cherry, I think all three of them, no matter who would have, like, who would have went back, would have given it their all. Yeah. Um, from knowing Cherry, she doesn't do things by halves. No, not um, And I think probably, I think Cherry probably had the disadvantage of not knowing any of the girls before the competition. That's yeah. it. Um, she knew of them, she knew the names, but I don't think she knew them personally, whereas I think everyone had like personal connections, particularly with Joe being such a big name on the cabaret circuit, and then Astina being quite close with like yeah. Bimini and Ahura and Pace and, and that kind of um, thing. 
Um, but they obviously voted for Joe. Yep. So Joe came. Joe was came back to the competition, and then Astina and Cherry won a lovely two night getaway in a luxury London hotel, um, which I thought was hilarious because I was like, "Oh my god, they've given a prize out!" And it's yeah. basically um, a two night stay in a hotel, which they haven't been doing for the entirety of the TV production. Yeah, which so is the competition. And Astina's <laughs> from London. Like, so it's basically like, oh, if you want to... can you imagine? Yeah, they get literally midway through the pandemic, like, hi, uh, are you on business or travel? I don't know, I've just been sent here. I only live down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just fancied the continental just breakfast. Around, <laughs> just drive around the block a couple of times. It'll be a new yeah, route. Should we go sightseeing? Oh, there's my flat. Washing's out. <laughs> Damn, I left the iron on. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice to see them get something. But it yeah. did make me laugh. It's like, bloody send them abroad. Let them go watch one of the uh, American filmed episodes. Like, they should have invited them to go watch the finale in America or something. I would have liked there to have been a bit more yeah. of a. I mean, it might be a Zoom finale that. again, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it probably is. Ugh. Oh, uh, <laughs> will RuPaul wear his face keeny? Oh. Thoughts on face keenies? Would you, do you mean the finale for uh, season 12? His lovely hoodie and uh, face oh. mask ensemble. Oh, yeah, because like the season 13 Oh, one. when he went as Frozone from The Incredibles. Yeah. Best cosplay ever. When he was like, where's my super suit? <laughs> Honey, where's my super suit? <laughs> uh, honestly, like, if, he, if he brings that shit to the end of the UK, I'm going to be furious. Well, I guess because UK, thankfully, they actually film it on set, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's a pre-recorded finale. Yeah. Or maybe a nice cinched hazmat suit. Something fun. But, I mean, the golden and the gumption of him to wear that and then tell off Joe for H&M. Let's be <laughs> honest. That's not a designer face, Keeney. I don't, I like, I don't think. I, don't, I genuinely don't think he told Joe off for it being H&M. I think he just told Joe off for it literally being just straight off a Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get, on, we'll get on to We will get on to that. Critique. We so, will, because I have things to say about that. <laughs> I have a lot of runway critiques this week. And we didn't have a mini challenge because there was all of the... I think there was enough going on in the first half of the episode anyway. Um, but then we get to the, they're doing Ruru Vision. Their girls are split into two groups. We have Banana Drama, which was Sister Sister, Ellie Diamond. Tia Coffee. Tia Coffee. <laughs> so it was a really memorable. And, and hosted um, by Joe, who's the team captain. Joe. And then the United King Dolls, which I thought was a cute name, actually. Ahura, Taste, Lawrence, and Bimini. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you... Um, what did you think about the groups from the, like, what were your first um, impressions? I, my first, I knew that Lawrence, when Lawrence was choosing, I knew that Lawrence was like, okay, I need to pick a group that's going to be strong. Yeah. Um, because my instant thought was like, is Lawrence going to pick Ellie or not? <laughs> and she didn't pick Ellie. Yeah, I um, so. which was very interesting. Um, I think, I think both groups have their strong points and both have their weaknesses just Absolutely. from the get go. Um, and I think 
ultimately it came down to how they gelled as a group um, within that situation. So it could have gone either way, um, which I think was the same for season one when they did the girl band challenge then. I think yeah. it all depends how they play it. Um, and we got some fantastic um, moments of TV when they were recording their verses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tears impersonating was... Fat Man Scoop was something I was not ready for. No. Put your hands up! Put your hands up! Put your hands up! Yeah, 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 yeah! I think it's the only time she hasn't been Welsh in the competition. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I'm going to get really aggressive now. And again, I think the bit that like had me screaming was Bimini trying to sing all delicately. This is, oh, just be more Bimini. <laughs> yes, immediately started screaming down the mic. And I was like, perfect, I'm set, I'm happy. And they gave a horror the Veronica edit, like they did on the Rats the Rusical, where they made... Because when she like got to the actual challenge, her vocals weren't bad. Um, well, I suppose like auto-tune does help. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> just a sprinkle um, but I do like I think Ahura kind of what she did she played to her strengths yeah she was very honest so when, when Rue was walking around the room um, the workroom in his day glow fantasy wig um, <laughs> I can't get over the wig I'd like I would that was the thing I was like not enough people are talking about this wig and the choice of wig like maybe I, Jimmy I left of it, out it. <laughs> she left it for her. She left it at the mirror with her message because we never got to see them wipe her message, did we? No, I don't think we did. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, did we? Oh, I yeah. Oh, because since they came back in and sister was like, "People need to fill me in what happened." Oh, of course. Oh, and yeah, they kind of read the message. I forgot because Veronica was kicking off. <laughs> She came in and went, oh, Ginny's left a message. Well, I shouldn't have been in the bottom. <laughs> she should have. Yeah. I, to be honest. From I, the challenge. She should have like, been in the bottom. They, they gave, like, I thought the girls weren't out of order by saying your look saved you because it did. Yeah. The I, look I was think great. If she was at home and watched that episode, she would have gone, oh, that look saved her. Yeah. It did. Like, Ginny gave a lot more in that challenge. Um, but Ginny gave Ginny. And that's all I ask for. We're kind of an unofficial Ginny Lemon fan club on this podcast. Yeah. I think every when, time we try and critique I, I, her, we end up just saying more things we like. I am the official Ginny yeah. Lemon fan club. Perfect. Can we become members? <laughs> <laughs> no, all the words to balls deep in still black and then you yeah. I introduced my mum to that today. She was not impressed. Have you heard the dance remix? No. Is that because there's one on YouTube and one on Instagram and they're slightly different, I believe. There's one on YouTube, it's a dance remix, and oh. I remember I, I booked Ginny for her first gig in Manchester, right. and um, she was like, what do you want me to perform, Bab? Like, it's your show, tell me what you want, and I went, um, I said, you can do whatever you want, I said, but I'm, I said, I am requesting you to do Balls Deep in Silver Black, and she went, oh, I'll do the new dance remix that somebody's made me. And it was the best, and she sang, she did that. She did her version of Toxic by Britney Spears. Amazing, yeah. And then she also did a song that she does called Woolworths. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is an iconic, um, iconic, like, track. But also, like, I will have to give 
shout out to Ginny for her new music that she's releasing. Um, mm. If you haven't listened to it, you need to. It's off a new album called Ginny Lemon's Tonic, which I know yeah. she's been writing for years. Um, and the music is just chef's kiss. Yeah. It's so Ginny. And the, the visuals are um, a narcotics dream. And yeah. like it's so sort of like yeah. Bjork on like an acid trip. And I'm, I'm all about it. Literally, I was watching it while I was eating lunch and I showed mum and I literally felt like I was like in a nightclub bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I should not be like sat at the table experiencing this. <laughs> and this right, is the power um, of Ginny Lemon. We're still talking about her and she's gone to her. She's writing books. Oh, she's written, <laughs> she's written two books apparently. Oh yeah, she has um because I've worked I worked with Ginny on a children's show that we did together and she's written a children's book. Um, about an experience that she had while we were doing the show where balls deep um, in Andy Pandy uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think balls deep in children should go together <laughs> to be honest um, <laughs> do we need to cut this bit out now um, probably <laughs> um, but I know that she's written a book about an experience that she had doing an outreach project with a school, right. uh, special, um, a special needs school. And um, she does a so- she did a song in the children's show called, uh, based on a book called The Boy Who Cried Fabulous. Yeah. And there was a kid that had never spoken um, in public before and their first word in public was fabulous. And it really touched Ginny as like an experience that really, I remember Ginny coming back and telling us about it and she got quite emotional about it. And so I, um, I think she's written a story based on that experience. And I think it's called Mini Lemon. Oh, amazing. Um, so, and like, Ginny, as soon as I knew Ginny was on Drag Race, she was one of the people that was like, oh my God, this person deserves everything about this platform. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, people can say whatever they want about Ginny. She's one of the hardest working people and she understands what she wants to do. Yeah. And she's always understood what she wants to do. And like, the world deserves her. Yeah, I 100% agree. She's got that unique ability to like make you think she doesn't know what she's doing. But she, like you said, she knows exactly what she's doing. Oh yeah, she knows exactly what she's doing. She does. Yeah. And I think, because um, when I heard that she was going to be on, I was like, this is either going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be episode one and they're going to be like, do the, like what they did to Dusty on season 10 and be like, you need to change your makeup. Or what did happen if she went out her own way. And yeah. Now she has this like cult following of Lemonheads. Is that what they're calling themselves? I think, I think that's the what it is at the minute on Twitter. I will double check and I will let you know. <laughs> Lemonhead. I remember Ginny always used to joke that her fans are called the uh, the guinea pigs. The yeah. guinea pigs. I <laughs> think, pigs. yeah, I think yeah. she, they use that as well. There's been some, um, like, good fan club names this season. I'm not Cherry bombs. No, any. Yeah. The what? The cherry bombs. Is that what Cherry's fans are called? I think so. No, weirdly, that's Lawrence's. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> no, that, that's the only one. I, yeah, 
I, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know what any of... Joe has, like, a literal cult. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jo- Joe's had a cult for years. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's called, like, the Sinister Circle or something like that. Oh my god. Like, I it's like no an actual thing. And they've got like social media accounts and everything. That's that's so, that's actually quite scary. Yeah. <laughs> and when you think about it, you're just like, especially now he's got the Sphinx cat, it's like, Christ, this is taking a step. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I think I there's, de- there's definitely like good branding this season. Yeah, I've, oh, I've been impressed. Totally. With it. Yeah, I mean... When you I grace... think it's one of the strongest casts of Drag Race history. Yeah. I do. Um, I... I think it's one of the most versatile casts and yeah. as well. I Which be... I think has made the, it's made the eliminations really hard each week because yeah. you don't want to see people leave. And we had Alexis Michelle on with us last week and she said as well, mm-hmm. it, it's hard seeing Queens go because it almost feels like you're watching an All-Stars. You forget this is them. This is their first experience to Drag Race. You see these as like, pros that you already know and are in love with so it is yeah. really hard seeing people eliminated each week because it's just yeah, so it good really i mean and then so the two challenge groups um the recording session as we talked about was a little bit it's interesting a lot of screaming mm-hmm. yeah um, my highlight then... to the recording session was um taste obviously going off on one <laughs> um my one highlight, I love Lawrence to bits, but one highlight was when she did her first attempt and m and went, she was like, oh I, oh, I messed up on that bit. That was all right. And m just went, no, that wasn't good. <laughs> I was crying. I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Lockdown, he was just like, I'm not funnying about now. If I don't like it, I don't like it. Because, I'm craving for work. I mean, she literally <laughs> says in her line, it's, I can't sing, I can't dance. Oh, I think yeah. it's like I can't, I can't sing, I can't dance, but I've got the wit or something like that, which is very true from what we've seen. I mean, performance-wise, I think what we know the answer, but which was your favorite? Um, I definitely, I think it's very obvious. Uh, the UK did the United Kingdoms, yeah. Um, were a better performance purely because, and I think again, it comes down to that answer of. They knew their branding yeah. and they stayed like true to their individual styles. Yeah. But also have like that ability mm. to kind of raise each other. Um, and like watching them rehearse with the choreography, I was like, yes, Tate, don't let up, like challenge Lawrence yeah. in this position. Because we've seen what she was like when she was being challenge in a, a position of uncomfortability and it was quite nice to see Lawrence just kind of go okay we're gonna get this done yeah um we're gonna get this done and like try and succeed best as possible yeah and I I just think like even it's I think it's really interesting that you watch the same song being performed by two different groups yeah. and obviously the difference is, is the verses that they've written the melody is the same like the structure of the songs the same but it is about that execution and yeah. i think ultimately banana drama i think what they what they lacked was that they were trying to all be the same yeah when it wasn't it wasn't like when they all came out dressed in pink yeah i was like 
okay. Um, and like the, the, it was really interesting because I knew straight away, I was like, Tia's wearing sister's wig. Sister's wearing Ellie's outfit. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is really bizarre. And, uh, but I think the strongest players, performance-wise, I thought the strongest performers in Banana Drama was um, Tia and uh, Sister. I yeah. agree. Sister, yeah. sister was really sister, good. Sister was the standout. And it was quite, like, I've been, I've been feeling very, very conflicted about the way that Sister's been portrayed. Same. On, yes. um, because I've known and worked with Sister and I don't think the public have ha- had the chance to see what she is capable of I and how amazing she is. Yeah. Um, and people kind of going, oh, she just blames everybody <laughs> on like her shortcomings. And I'm like, no, it's just because she's too polite. That's, yeah. that's her downfall. And um, so this week it was really lovely to see her kind of like go, let's, let's like do this and yeah. get going with it. Yeah. And I was just like, it made me smile to see her flourish. Yeah, I was really uh, happy with her in this performance for, for the, exactly the same reasons you've said. I was like, this is the sister sister I've been wanting to see because I know yeah. she can do all this shit. And mm. it was nice to see her just come out and be like, okay, group challenge, but here's how I do a group challenge. And I think she yeah. really did shine in this week. And I think she's one of the ones that definitely had a glow up over the seven months. Like she said, because obviously she was still working, her makeup changed a lot. And I think that break probably did her some good in that I think she's going to be like a top contender moving forward. I think she's come back with a fire in her belly. Yeah. Um, which is really lovely to say. Um, I think the reason, my personal opinion of why Ellie and Joe just didn't really work is because I feel like they tried to play into what they thought people wanted yeah so like ellie tried to play into that i'm the youngest person i'm gonna be the baby doll sweet like yeah. baby spice character and joe tried to play into the i'm the nana i don't know what i'm doing character yeah. whereas like the reason that people give them those characteristics is because they're not trying to be those characters joe yeah. like joe is constantly called grandma like has always been like that or nana and like he did like he doesn't need to play up to it no he, he has never like... needed to play up to it it's just part of him and it, like i think it would have been interesting to see like the fact it was like joe in that young looking dress with that hairstyle yeah it didn't work and then ellie just like ellie looks like a baby queen in inverted yeah. commas and uh, yeah. um, I tried to play up to it too much like she was trying to pander to an audience whereas I think they didn't let themselves naturally be then yeah um and I think that's why in my opinion they were the weakest performers out yeah. of everyone and, I think... and it was oh sorry I'll let you go no go ahead um, I, I think agreeing with you completely I think it was a shame because I actually really enjoyed Joe's lyrics. I thought Joe had like quite a funny character with what he created. And I liked the whole nods to Glenn Close, but no cigar. And he played into what Joe- Glenn Close, but no cigar. But no cigar. <laughs> and I liked the, the idea of it, but I agree with you. If you're going to play the old character, it should have 
it should have gone really far. Like for me, I almost wanted him to come out in a sash saying competition winner and with like a Zimmer frame and an IV drip and literally make it look like it's some old lady that's won a chance to perform with the sugar babes, like something really stupid. Or he should have borrowed one of Ellie's like wigs, like the big stacked baby doll wig and really taken the piss. Yeah, I think that would have played to Joe's advantage. We'd have seen him in a style of wig that we wouldn't have seen on him before. Yeah. Like, um, and just kind of like, I think that would have elevated things a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and like, I think fair play to them. Like, they literally returned to the competition. They wrote a song, recorded a song, and learned a choreography all in one day. And yeah. during a pandemic where social distancing yeah. is place still. Like, yeah. So, like, I also, like, I understand the pressures that they're under, but then obviously, you're in a competition, Annie. Yeah. Well, and I think, like you said, if Joe had had like bigger hair or something, because he looked tiny, he looked like a, someone that snuck into the side and was just yeah. sort of there, which is like heartbreaking because I love Joe. And it was that, like, was like oh, come on, come on. But at yeah. the same time, with the other team, I feel like the rest of them looked very sort of. Uh, like sugar babe esque, they were all in like the slick bodysuits. I mean, and what I actually loved was that Bimini came dressed like Jerry Halliwell auditioning for Coyote Ugly, but with Pete Burns's Big Brother era wig. And I was oh, totally, all, and I was I all about it. When, yeah. when it came out, I thought, fucking hell, they're gonna read her if they're in the bottom. And then when she started performing, I was like, I believe everything of what this yeah, was. I feel like that's something she would wear <laughs> out of drag. Like, that's yeah. a casual look for her. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. shops. That's literally like, just finished my yoga. Like, now I need to go get some, like, bread and milk. Oat milk. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, um, and, and um, actually, I think it played into her strength because unlike kind of how Joe did it, I think she stood out, but in completely the right way. Yeah. yeah. And I think her verse, like, for me, her verse was the best of everyone this week. Yes. I, yes. I thought it was genius. I thought the lyrics were brilliant. I thought the way she delivered it was fun. Combine that with the look and the fact that it was very sort of like mid noughties compared to everyone else trying to be like supermodel 90s. I liked that, again, she was very much like the Kerry Katona of the group, but done in such a right way that it became yeah. genius. And I thought that it was so funny to me on, after when I watched the like lockdown special that her 12 pound chair. And then realizing the night before she jumped off the chair, I was like, yeah. "Please tell me she used some of her space to bring her twelve pounds lockdown chair." Yeah. Oh my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> she, she probably did because it looked she similar. Proved, she proved the point. She was like, "Oh, I've been practicing splits on a chair. I'm glad I bought <laughs> yeah. this." And the next thing we know, she's like she's jumps off and did a massive chair. split in in the first challenge back. Um, <laughs> thoughts on terms of obviously we know which team won and. Last year, we saw um, the Frock Destroyers all win. And I think no one kind of saw a group, like a girl group challenge ever do that well before. And I think they all rightly deserved to win the badge. And it was a unified thing. This year, however, I genuinely would have just had Bimini as a solo winner. I agree. I I I didn't think it needed to be four wins. And as much as I love Lawrence, I think it's almost worked in his favor because it's given him that extra badge towards the final. Whereas for me, there's been a few times in this competition that I thought Bimini should have won a challenge and she's won one now. 
but it's almost like it doesn't feel like it was her win because it was a team win. And I kind of wish she had this as a solo win because I felt it was very deserved by her. Oh, I disagree. I thought... Ooh. I, I, I think they all should have won it and I I think last year I think you're too nice no I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be mean now I think last year Davina or Bagger should have won it and I think because they liked them both that's why Blue won Bagger should not have won as an individual <laughs> it was but Bagger Chips was stunning and Bagger Chips was class, class exactly <laughs> and we know where she, she definitely it. is not sexy <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like I think what I think the girl band challenges are going to be something very very big for Drag Race UK particularly yeah. because UK pop is quite um, prominent and we thrive in, on camp in, yeah. yes in UK iconography like worldwide like like we're, we're the home country of the Spice Girls, like, yeah. and like a little mix as well. And like internationally, especially in America, they're things that people associate with the UK. Yeah, it's very um, much a part of our mass pop culture, is our, our sort of pop music scene. Yeah. And so I think there was a lot of pressure. And I think from witnessing firsthand how much the Frock Destroyers, like, are so popular. I remember being at DragCon and I have never, ever, ever been so scared in my life to see a, a convention room of probably about 5,000 people yeah. all doing the choreography at the same time yeah. and getting <laughs> even roundier that the Frock Destroyers performed Break Up Bye Bye three times. Yeah. Three times? Three times in the same set because they don't have any other songs. Yeah. So they literally did Break Up Bye Bye spoke a bit, did break up bye-bye, spoke a bit, and then did it again. And the audience stayed yeah. for all three versions. And like everyone, it just got rowdier and rowdier. It was, it was scary, That's, but I also mean, I... like fascinating to see this fandom. Because that is literally a cult. It's repetitive chanting. <laughs> yeah. And literally I remember just watching a group it. of girls going, burger chips is stunning. Burger chips. <laughs> it's literally the craziest thing, but like, because... It was a cult moment. It's no song on Bearing Drag Race. Bearing in mind they're not singing live. They're no. miming the track as well. No song ever in Drag Race history has charted. That literally made top 40. Well, this uh, uh, the UK, UKD made number one in the UK. They made number one on iTunes. So I yeah. have no doubt that's going to chart. Yeah. yeah because I, was... I remember Frock Destroyers, they, they got up to like second or third, but then when it actually charted in the full like end of the week top uh, top 40 i think they were like 29 or something like that so they made top 40 and i i don't doubt this will happen again i thought mm-hmm. this one was catchier like i like i feel like i'm the contra i'm every week i'm the controversial opinion but i like break up bye bye it was yeah it was like it was a moment but i wasn't like doing it around the house but like i'm walking in the kitchen i'm going ding ding dong like it's <laughs> it's because it's it was like um Leland, who wrote the song, has definitely embodied Eurovision. Yeah. Like, completely. Yeah. And um, I think that's the reason why it's so catchy. And I'm actually quite glad that the clubs aren't open because that's we would be driving me insane. This song. Because when I first heard the episode, I thought, oh, for like, fuck me, what is this? 
It's like, it would literally be like that Eurovision film on Netflix and people yeah. going, play Ya Ya Ding Dong. Oh my yeah, God. Play, play Ding Dang Dong. Play <laughs> UK Han. And they, they play that bloody Eurovision song like four times in the four hours the pubs are actually open. Yeah. Yeah, like that is literally what it is. That's the best way to describe it. It's a That's the one that blessing part. we have in lockdown is we, we're not stuck with it. But oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I've been cleaning like my house. I've not rewatched the episode and all day I've been like, Bing, bang, bong, sings. And then I'm just think, sat thinking, I don't even like this song, but it's really stuck in my head. Oh, and then I'm yeah. walking around going like, break the system. <laughs> and I'm I keep, fully invested in it. I keep going, I keep going, clap for the ding dang dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and well, with going, the clap for the UK Han. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's was... what got me. Everyone, and that's what made their group stand out as well. The yeah. other group just sang the lyrics. They in that last part, each one took it and just bimming it ending with UK Han. It was yeah, it was somebody just somebody do a death drop. Somebody <laughs> do a death drop or summit. Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. It was, oh, that like she was just like jumping and sliding everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh I'm I might cut this out because it's a little bit embarrassing. But yesterday, like episode fresh in my mind, we were walking the dogs um in the moor and there was all these like frozen ponds and I had my wellies on, so I was like skating and sliding across them. And I went to the really big one and I was like, Oh, you know what? I've I've got loads of layers. It's fine if I fall over. So I did a little like jump in a slide, a little bimini style, and I fell through. <laughs> <laughs> I fell through the ice. <laughs> I had to like crawl out and then walk a mile to the car, like dripping wet and frozen. But oh, did, girl. did someone ask if UK hun? Because if not, it was a waste of time. No, and but I might go buy myself a twelve pound chair. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, she needs. I hope to those get, twelve pound like, chairs are sold out now. Bimini needs a collaboration with IKEA for twelve pound chairs. Yeah, I would buy one. I'm waiting for the Joe Platt H and M collection. Well, he, <laughs> he released a Jane. Oh true. yeah, he's he is on it. He's like, very clever. Like, I want like, all the queens to literally come out with like pointless merch. I want Bimini yeah. to have foldable chairs. I that's really, not point. That's really practical. I really want Joe Black to do a H and M collab. <laughs> I want Sister Sister to do something with like Ancestry dot com. Like, I want what? That. <laughs> why? <laughs> do you know what? I would live for that. I, I want I want these queens to become the faces of pointless things. Like Cherry Valentine needs to be the new face of NHS. Like, I really want every queen that's been on the season to just have a thing. Like re- like Ginny Lemon needs to have like a brand of tonics out at this point. Oh, like, I was gonna say a like full a No, Ginny product. Lemon is the face of Crocs. Uh, that is true. Yeah. yeah. I think she is the face already, of Crocs. Lawrence <laughs> is the face of the Glaswegian subway. Which I think yeah. is Oh, I didn't know that. Even pre-drag she, race. Yeah, she's she's been the face of like the, the Glaswegian like tube. Amazing. Um what like Thomas the Tank Engine that like, stuck to the going... front of the train? <laughs> I remember going up for the first time after she'd done the advert. And the advert was on the telly up there. And um she's like, I like to get um the subway and drag. And like, I remember talking to her drag sisters, they're like, Lawrence doesn't get the train, let alone in drag. <laughs> Literally. It's like, yeah, I've seen that. Lawrence ass. is getting Uber exec. I'm like, get that coin, honey. <laughs> yeah. It's like that thing now, isn't it? Like, you like, 
you do an ad for like Greg's and you have to pretend you live off Greg's. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, I love the subway. Ding dong. Like, <laughs> but speaking of Lawrence and his bougie ways of not taking the subway, it, someone else said this the other day, that it almost feels like Lawrence is competing on an American season with his runways. What, with the, the quality of them? Yeah, like the budget. I think Lawrence, from knowing Lawrence, Lawrence is, one of Lawrence's goals has always been to appear on Drag Race and showcase what they can do. Yeah. Um, and Lawrence really knows how to dress themselves. Yeah. Um, always has. And I think w- what's really lovely is to see Lawrence have this opportunity of a lifetime that for him and to see them finally thrive in the way that they want to. Yeah. Um, and I think like Lawrence knows like that Halloween runway look oh, so good. was one of my favorite things I've seen on Drag Race in a long time. The like face on the I house. just thought it was yeah, I thought it was very clever. Um and, but it was still very Lawrence. Yeah. Um and like this um are we gonna go into runway? Let's now? go straight into runway. Into discussion of run- yeah. Bimini won and so did yeah. her teammates, but Bimini won. Um, so the- <laughs> we'll call it that. <laughs> um so the runway theme was obviously um day at the seaside yeah um so like because we were talking about lawrence yeah let's go straight let's start with lawrence's um i i have the privilege of knowing the designer who made this right um freak couture in manchester incredible designer yeah um because that material is very difficult to work with yeah um and fit Lawrence to like a glove. It was there was really not a crease exactly or in the wrong place. It yeah. was yeah, it was perfection. Because they did no. um Cherry's um, promo, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. I think they so, did. So um yeah. they made Cherry's promo look as well. And also um Freak Couture also made the Frock Destroyers um Oh yeah, yeah. Majesty video Majesty. outfits. Yeah. And the ones they did on the New Year's Eve special. Yeah. They're like unbelievable. And with, like you said as yes. well, with Lawrence's Mason's look, as well. I think one, the colour was just beautiful on her. Like, she looks mm-hmm. stunning. It's hard I think, to pull off though. Yeah, like literally like fluorescent orange, but yeah, it was it was stunning. And I, I loved the buoyancy aid as like almost like a halo. It made her feel like a Renaissance painting. Um, which I loved. And then I, the turnaround and just the, the extra jerk of the nerd diving on her ass. Like, and I, I thought that the was just a really nice The one thing I would nice have changed, twist. the one thing I would have changed is the hair. Yeah. I wish it was I a big have, updo. I, w- I wish it was an updo for Laurent. Yeah. So that kind of like was representative of waves or something. Yeah. yeah. And just, and that, like, these are all my own personal opinions. It's not me saying that it was shit or whatever. I'm just gonna, I'm just putting that disclaimer out there. <laughs> no, because I, I, I was the same. Like, I, I almost wanted it to be like an Ursula moment, so it still went in with that sea vibe. Yes. I wanted it to just yeah. be like a big ocean wave with the buoyancy still in it, and I think it would have been perfection. That, I, that for me was my one critique of it as well. Exactly the same. I yeah. always put in the description of the episodes for the recap. 
I'm like, we're not critiquing them as individuals. We're simply commenting on how their drag fit the challenge. Because I'm like, please don't <laughs> roast me for having an opinion. <laughs> but so what we got next? Um, well, let's go stay Scotland and we'll go Ellie's, what I described as Simple Seagull. Okay. I have thoughts on this look. <laughs> because I know you do a lot with, like, prosthetics as well. How did you think about, um, like, the application? So with Ellie's look, I thought the concept is great. Yeah. Um, I, I thought my personal opinion was that the execution wasn't right. I, I was exactly as, the same. As someone, like, animal prosthetic drag is something that I've done since I started drag yeah. five years ago. My first ever drag look was an animal. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not easy. People think it's easy and it's not easy. Um, and the one thing that I would say is that I don't think Ellie has done it before. Yeah. So it was a risk for her to do it. Um, it's a risk for to try and do that style anyway on Drag Race. Because um, I don't think they've seen, the judges have ever seen that. No. Um, but also, it was a risk for her to do it probably for the first time. Um, and I kind of got like it was like a seagull, like in a bikini, like something completely off the wall. Yeah. Um, but my biggest critiques about it is um, it looked more like a furry chicken. Than a Thank you. That's how I felt. And <laughs> um, that was, and that's, I'd like, and that's just me being nitpicky because this is something that I do, I do feel very kind of like personal about because it is something yeah. that is very close to me. Um, I think that the outfit wasn't her best fitting. Yeah. Um, like with me, if that was, if, if I was to like, if I was in Ellie's shoes or webbed heels which i thought were camp i thought those were camp the heels um, i like i yeah. credit that part of the outfit little details i think it should have been like it should have been more fitted it should have yeah. been more like busty and like she should have made more of a homage to you know you know those saucy postcards that's what i thought would get yeah like it the proper vintage like the dog pulling on the bikini line and so and it should have been that yeah proper old seaside postcard I would have loved like her to have like a picnic hamper with like food that was stolen because we know that yeah. seagulls steal food <laughs> of people at the beach, and like a polka dot like like wrap in the hair, yeah, or like even like one of those um, like mirrored sun like screen kind of like tiny yeah. things. <laughs> just it's just enhancing and thinking a little bit further. I think where Ellie fell um, down was that oh I'm going to do a seagull in a bikini. I think the concept was too small. Yeah. She, I, could, I she needed to take it further. Over. And I think I think the gag that she was relying on in, in it was that, oh, I'm gonna go as a seagull and they're gonna love it. Yeah. Yeah. And like Michelle loved it, but I do agree with Graham Norton that it was more costumey. Yeah. Because um, the execution because there wasn't that Oh, sorry, carry on. <laughs> there was yeah, the ex the execution didn't have that element there. of character that was needed. Yeah. yeah. You need to have that character for people to relate to it in drag. Um, and I think that's like, I love Ellie to bits, but I was very like, oh no, sweetie. Yeah. No. I think it, 
like for me personally, I just wish she padded a little bit more. So it was like, like yeah, said, I, I like, would have like loved it if they her. and like, like padded out. Yeah, it, it should have been essentially I don't think, a slightly like, padded. <laughs> yeah. She was padded. It's just that I think she was focused, trying to make wings out of fur. And that's it. It was fur, not feathers. And that's what threw it for me, which made it look feathers. Because the, the yeah. fur felt like an Easter Bunny costume then. So it, it yeah. took me out of that being a bird. The face, yeah. I was like, okay, interesting concept, fine. But it, yeah, it was that bad. If it was a proper wing and it was like, like you said, a lot more feathers and even like feathering to make like a cleavage shape or something, I'd have yeah. been more invested in what it was. It was like a fun idea, but no yeah. substance post that idea, I think. And I think, and I think that's something that like I will commend Ellie for trying to push herself out of a comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. But when you have four weeks to prepare for a competition, like taking a risk that big is quite tricky. Yeah. But the one thing I would say, and again, it comes down to this, they've had seven months off. If yeah. I was Ellie and I knew that look was in my wardrobe, I would have looked at it and gone, this doesn't fit me properly. This isn't the best I could execute. Yeah. Um, and I would have like, I would have gone back to the drawing board with it. Um, but that's me talking from my own personal yeah. experiences. Yeah. Um, then let's talk about... Just one more thing with Ellie. I think with, like you said, the prosthetics, I think if she'd... Because obviously they are expensive, so I guess that's really why she didn't get to trial it out, would mm. be my initial thought was that's... Because they're quite they're like 30, 40 pound pieces, aren't they? So The, the prosthetic I could deal with, it, it was... It was the, the fur wings, I think, is what threw me more than anything. Yeah. The application of the prosthetic was great. Yeah. Um, but me being nitpicky, I was like, that's a chicken beak. It should have been a much bigger seagull beak. Yeah, I, I was the same. Not that I'm into aviation, but I was like, that doesn't look like a seagull. <laughs> like, I've got a seagull beak. Amazing. <laughs> got it. It's in my little box. <laughs> Who do you want to talk about next? Of like, should we go with the like one we enjoyed? So we've got. Um, let's talk about Woman of the Hour, Bimini Bon. Yes. Boulash. This for me was yeah. unbelievably stunning. Mm-hmm. And it. Do you know what? It wasn't crazy over the top. It was a really nice fitted dress with like a, a, an old swimming cap, but like the way it was all put together was unbelievably beautiful. And she knows her body. And I like the fact that there's always a bit of like a gender bend in it. I like that this week there wasn't big tits. It was her body in this just lace sheer number with gorgeous, like delicate porcelain China doll sort of makeup. And it just felt like a proper vintage postcard. Exactly. Bimini, like, I knew her influence there was Victorian promenade, a like beach postcard, a very yeah. vintage look, the parasol, like she knew exactly what she was executing. And yeah. It was stunning. Yeah. And that's what I commend about um, Bimini was that, but it didn't look dated. It looked no. fresh. It looked new. It looked current. And um, she stayed true to her own brand, where she's like, "I like to interpret things in a slutty, sexy, yeah. like yeah. way." And there was still that element of it. Yeah. Um, 
but it was absolutely beautiful. This outfit for me, literally, it could have been like a Vogue editorial. It felt so like yeah. a Tim Walker Agreed. photo shoot. And I kind of wish she had the opportunity to like go into the desert and just have this photo shoot of this bellowing in the sun with literally nothing around her but sand. Because it, it, yeah. it was just beautiful. And I think this, when she, do, when, like we said, when she does sexy, her, she usually kind of does a jerk FHM version of sexy. And I love yeah. that this week it was so delicate and ornate. And, but like you yeah. said, at the same time, sexy and revealing. And again, just the joke of being like, it's Great Yarmouth. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, because I'm in <laughs> Norwich at the minute, and Great Yarmouth is literally like 40 minutes. I can fully see her, like, when she's allowed doing a shoot in Great Yarmouth, wandering down there. I don't think we can go as far as to call it a promenade. No. That's we'll call it, it. Yeah, she's coming out the beach hut. <laughs> but I also, in I've episode, got images of her walking around Great Yarmouth going, Right, babes. Yeah. No, right, babes. Yeah. Love yeah. Great Yarmouth. <laughs> and I think she's. Oh, she said that like her Norwich City look was her most revealing look. I have. We've been seeing a lot of skin every week. I do not believe her at all. She's going to be fully naked if she makes a final. <laughs> her finale outfit isn't even an outfit. It's a bit of tape. Yeah, it's going to be duct tape and a smile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> duct tape with a smile. Do you know what? If there was anyone that could do it, it's Bimini Bamboo Lash. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more the season goes on, I'm like, I'm, I mean, from her promo look and the Anne Boleyn vibe, I was obsessed. But I, as every week goes on, I just feel she's on an upward trajectory. Like, I'm getting more and more fascinated by her every single week. I think she'll be top three. Or I four. will say this now. I believe wholeheartedly that Bimini Bamboo Lash is the UK's next drag superstar. I really hope so. She's, I, I she, for her. And I think she's I, someone... I, sorry. I, I think it's someone that is somebody that needs to be seen in the limelight. Yeah. Um, and I think she's just, I think she's brilliant. I think yeah. she's absolutely brilliant. And like um, I've been a... The, like the platform, like Ginny's platform that she has, I think having Bimini as first like openly non-binary winner as well like that's huge yeah and i also think that like i can just see bimini on front covers of fashion magazines and like really doing like talking about drag in sectors that necessarily have never had drag queens in in the uk um and i think it's really really important she's a great advocate um but look wise Top two of the week, best look of the week. Yeah. Um, and actually, going yeah. back to Queen's I Want to Advertise Things, I really want her to get like a Beverly Callard fitness DVD out. <laughs> <laughs> Filmed on the Great Yarmouth Beach. Literally, I, mean, I want it to be called like Bimini Bomb Britain's Bendiest Pitch. <laughs> and just that be it. And yeah, and filmed <laughs> yeah. in Great Yarmouth. <laughs> I, I think she could have like one of those like Joe Wicks fitness programs. She can get like the videos, a vegan cookbook. Oh, I want it camp. Mail. I want like eighties reference. I want you have you have to buy it from a VHS store, and I want I mean, it to be like Rosemary Connolly leotard. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I hope she wins. So instead of a IKEA chair, she can get a DFS collaboration. Yeah, I want. I want. I now want Bimini's fitness DVD to be called 
Bimini's bendy belly beater. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, I think, and you know how the frock destroyers who said that, like, at Drancon, she could do a yoga class and everyone would be like, <laughs> stretching, I, jumping yeah. off of chairs. She Could she be our first ever drag aqua aerobics instructor that goes viral in the world? Oh yeah, I, I want her to teach pole dancing classes as well. I know we're asking a lot of one person. Yeah, we just like, oh, by the way, she's Bimini. got it in her. <laughs> Bimini, we've got your whole career set up for the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a drag queen, but I do think I'm great at marketing. <laughs> I think I've sussed out your career choices. <laughs> but no, yeah, absolutely smashed it for me. Um, who else was there? I think, well, I was going to say, speaking of people who are very likely to be in the finale, taste gorgeous. Like, that, I, when I saw it on the runway, I was like, this is gorgeous. And I looked at it again today, and I was like, is she wearing a net? I found it quite boring. Is she in a net? Quite She's in, I think it's a mesh. It is a mesh um, that is individually stoned. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll say that. Oh. Um, and I kind of like, it's a very simple concept. Very simple yeah. concept. And I think one thing that Tace has to her advantage is that she is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Like, she could run out on a diaper and the judges would eat it up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is able to be absolutely beautiful. And she's very good at styling stuff. She yeah. knows exactly how to execute a style for herself. Um, and that's one thing that Taste has always been very strong at. Um, I think I, I loved... I would have liked to have seen more about the concept. Yeah. But I think because Tace is very into the kind of like the simple moments, like it it was very on brand for Tace. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a strong look, but it wasn't as strong as I would like. I yeah. did get like, oh, that's definitely seaside. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really nice jumpsuit with um, starfishes stuck to it. It um, but it's like, I love the mullet. And like you said, the way it was styled was beautiful. It's just, I think where Bimini did quite a minimalistic outfit in the sense of it was a lace fitted dress. I felt hers had a lot more character than what Tace's did. Tace's yeah. was like also beautiful. I just kind of wish there was like mm -hmm. an extra thing, but I, I don't really know what that thing should it, be. Cause it gave me that like Lady Gaga art pop seashell bikini moment. <laughs> when like she like starts her tour for that and she literally comes out in a seashell bikini and like that's it but you, i would have loved anyway. for someone to have referenced um yeah the venus smiler i would have loved that. and just come out like venus <laughs> and so because i yeah my impressions of it have changed over the last few days because i was like top two uh when i first saw it and then now i'm like mm, still top like but not my favorite and then and we had all that and two bags of chips this week yeah chip game which was your favorite we had chip bag and um, so i have um i really liked and my favorite was a horrors yeah overall same. yeah the one thing I would get rid of was the sauce bottle and a horrors head <laughs> yeah because I liked the actual drip I don't think she needed the bottle. No. 
yeah, she didn't need the she didn't need the bottle. If the bottle was at an angle, I think it I think I would have been like, okay, but because yeah. it was like this. Yeah. <laughs> Just a big like, dildo. Dead on. It's like when you're in the yeah, pub it was and a bit like to still, yeah. a drink. Because this is the thing, the other details were brilliant. <laughs> the other details were great. Like I loved the wooden fork. Literally me. And I thought the earrings were great. And I think the ketchup bottle was that one bit that she didn't need. Yeah, I loved the fork. That was so funny. Yeah. Yes, the fault was fun. Um, I like, I liked sisters too. Mm-hmm. Um, like the seagull was fun. I yeah. thought, um, the like, the concept was great. It just again the execution was a little bit like wasn't as tidy as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the bag on the side, I was a little bit confused by. I think there was too yes. much sauce on it. There was a bag. It was <laughs> well. It was like a, looked like a sort of pouch of sauce uh, on her. I think it was her left yeah. side. Yeah, um, which I wasn't really sold on. Yeah, I almost wish that the dress was more simple. And rather than it being like, um, like a pleathered sauce drip, I wish that she'd have actually dip dyed the bottom of the paper so it felt like actual vinegar or ketchup was really soaking through the bottom of the paper mm, and i think yeah. if it had kept that newspaper print but faded into like a beige color or a red color i think it would have been so much more impactful than the actual the sauce effect she went for whereas yeah. um ahora's it felt like that sort of crumpled up paper at the end with a few chips left and i quite liked that about hers um yeah both yeah. nice but then obviously we had the backstage drama of a horror calling out mm-hmm. copying and plagiarism was put into play this week <laughs> which was which interesting I, I and like and i will say this i don't think sister would i like no. i completely agree with sister I she do. wouldn't have like she wouldn't have gone with kind of going i'm gonna steal this person's look like yeah sister doesn't need she doesn't need to do that she wouldn't want to do that no. um if you saw and chips think, in someone else's room, why would you go, oh, they're doing a chip packet? Well, so will I. You're obviously going to... If you yeah, saw that, yeah. you'd be like, I need to get away from that. I think ultimately what the inspiration was, they probably got the same inspiration, yeah. was um, the Moschino flower bouquet. The bouquet, um, yeah. Dressed at a whore, um, not a whore, Aquarius Aquaria. done before. Um, done a version of. Yeah, and I think... That's probably where their reference was, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and they just were like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Like, I, I got the same sort of vibe. I thought it's Moschino's bouquet and then the like, old school John Galliano newspaper print. And, and that's the two things I got. And they're really big fashion references. So I'm like, it's not surprising you thought of fish and chips when you thought of a seaside look. Yeah. So, mm. I, yeah, I was a bit funny about the, the call of plagiarism because... I just can't imagine her wanting to copy someone. No, she's creative <laughs> enough as it is. But we had the other seaside food we had, um, which the my literal note for this was dot, 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 because that was all I had to say on it. Are we talking about the cupcake that was an ice cream? Yeah. yeah I was. She came out and I was so confused. It was like a spunky tissue I... cup. Oh, Harry. <laughs> 
I was like, this is not this is meant ice to be cream. family friendly. Oh, sorry, children. I, I mean, I have also made a, made a comment about Andy Pandy earlier. But <laughs> I think with, I think what it was with, with Tia's interpretation of it, she was totally trying to channel the McDonald's like code, yeah, the whipping code. Yeah. yeah, with the small, tiny little code. But she wasn't thinking, she wasn't thinking big enough. Yeah. She was not thinking big enough. And like, um, me and my husband actually discussed it. Like, it would have been nice for her to have like this white fur stole and like yeah. this mm. lovely kind of like elegant shape of like a waffle like skirt. I said the same. Um, it should have been a full gown down. Yeah. Yeah. And like, she could have done like, she could have like revealed, like took the first stole off and she could have had like, Spring, sprinkle like a sprinkle bustier yeah. or something. Um, I think the hair needed to be more adventurous. Yeah. Um, but this uh, was ultimately. her judged up hair, allegedly. And I, I think that's something that, like, it's something that T is learning. Like, yeah, she's having to, she is having to elevate things a lot more than she probably has ever done before. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we have to remember, like, it's yeah. it's Drag Race UK season two. Like there are girls that are gonna have gone in with the preconception of going trying to do the US, and yeah. like there's gonna be girls going, I'm gonna just be me and see what happens. And I think that's what Tia's been doing. She's trying to yeah. stay true to herself, um, and ultimately she's getting the feedback of, do you need to do more? And she's probably she's like, well, I've never been challenged to do more before. Yeah, and she doesn't know where to go with it. Um, I think her drag is very like it's her on a stage live singing for however long the show is on her own like I think she's very like much like a lot of New York queens where you're hosting your own night you're not outfit changing you're not wig changing you're there for practicality uh-huh. not for like theatrics so I think that probably is where she's coming from but I mean, she did what RuPaul told her not to do the previous episode which was cover up her shape again yeah. Was, I, I think, think that's where that's where it was lost. She wanted this like yeah. waviness on the top. And I kind of got where she was trying to go with it. Yeah. But the middle part, like I think it's because she's never really done something to accentuate her shape like that. Yeah. And um yeah, I think like, I like I like the stoning on it. Yeah. Um and she was she has been trying to think of elevation. Because she's not thinking big enough, and I yeah. think it is. Yeah. I think it's a self-confidence thing. I think it's because she doesn't think she's capable of wearing these wonderful statuesque, yeah. um, bigger garments and something more conceptual or something more, something more. And that's. I think that's where the big point was that like they want to see more from her because they know she's capable of doing it. Exactly. Yeah, they just want yeah. to see it because I like. I think if I would have done it, we'd done like a, like, you think ice cream, obviously beach and things, but you're thinking dropping it as a child, done like an upside down. Mm. So I had like tr- a train be like a splatter, uh, cone go up one side and then have like a seagull sort of coming for it. That's yeah. literally just popped into my mind right now. And I felt for like- me, if, if I was going to do the ice cream again, I would have literally have had it as a very fitted gown that would have almost been open at both sides of the leg. It would have just come down as like a point in the middle, point at the back. 
and like you said, waffle gridded, and then the top bit, it should have really been boobs up, should have been the ice cream. And I think mm. you've got that curve coming up, and then the hair should have been like a big twisty updo. And I think that would have been like such a smaller change to the outfit that would have still given that outfit more gravitas, I think. Because um, like you said, it was more yeah. McDonald's uh, cone than beachside ice cream. <laughs> mm. She could have um, stuck a flake in it. And then... Yeah. And then we had um, the last run beach runway, which was Mr. Joe Black. Yeah. Um, doing a fabulous windswept um, uh, covered in literally every condiment that was yeah. on the runway. Yeah. And, and you know what? I thought this was genius because this was yeah. unlike everyone else that kind of came in a costume. This for me felt like I am Joe Black and this is Joe Black caught in a windstorm. And that's what I like. Mm. The dress felt like a Joe Black performance. You had the the arcade ticket stubs around the neck. You had the smeared makeup. And credit to him, I love the fact that one of his eyelashes was literally stuck to his eyebrow. I like that everything was so attacked. But yeah, it still felt vintage and camp yeah. and old school Hollywood, which is his vibe. So I was, I was happy with it. I really liked it this week. Well, mm. I think with... I really liked it. Joe's for me it screamed British seaside like no offense to Bivinier taste but theirs was very like a beach I thought like a more continental beach if you know what I mean it like my mm. experience of the Brit the UK and beaches anyway is you come back and you look like you've been through a hurricane because there's wind <laughs> there's salt you've got you probably do have a chip in your hair and a bit of ice cream on your shoe but you just I kind keep of keep trudging I kind of wish he went for a very specific beach. I kind of wanted, like, Blackpool Beach had, like, a seagull chewing on a condom. Like, oh, <laughs> Is that Blackpool specific? Oh, that's very Blackpool specific. If you haven't been to a Blackpool Beach, you haven't seen a condom being <laughs> choking a seagull. Like, and, oh, my God. And I wanted that, like, I... Because his felt... It was, like, it felt home time French line. I like that uh, Bimini did the joke of, like, an old-school... Uh, Yarmouth Beach and I wanted them all to have almost specifically had a beach of their region because I think you could have had some queens that would have deliberately done a really shit beach <laughs> like and I, was, I almost wanted that attack <laughs> that was Joe's hometown runway originally oh was it yeah and then apparently allegedly well I think I, it was one of his exit interviews or it might have been his Instagram caption but something like production said it was too similar to an upcoming runway oh See, like, I can, I can imagine it must have been really hard for Joe because one of the things that Brighton is known for is its beach and yeah. its, its beach culture. And I think a lot of people were very kind of like, oh, I'm surprised Joe didn't do this and chose to do the Brighton Palace. Yeah. And um, I knew this runway was coming up in the season. And um, I was just like, well, that must have been very difficult because like you have two crossovers there yeah um but then we had critiques mm. um one of the long. one of the most iconic moments i think of drag race history was that they <clears throat> they loved joe's runway look yeah and then they spoke about his performance outfit and they said it was very off the rack. 
and could have been Primark. And Joe slyly went, it's H&M. That was his mistake. Because for me, I would, I know I would have done the exact same thing. It's just who I, I think am. It was Joe. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Like, oh. breaking the tension. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I think Rue did not get that British humour of going, oh, you're almost there. And I think for him, he was just like, you're taking the piss. <laughs> I, what I think it was, I think it was Rue probably going, you're resting on your laurels. Yeah. And you're blaming the fashion yeah. for your performance. And I think ultimately it's been really funny because this has been the topic all over the internet about drag, like people can't afford this, they can't do this, they can't do that, and they're bringing it back to money. Yeah, and then they they're bringing up um, Astina wearing an ASOS jacket. Yeah, um, and winning a challenge. And in my personal opinion, like the difference is is that Astina was wearing it for a concept and carried the concept and the character. That's yes. it. She gave that jacket Joe was, that vibe. Joe was wearing a dress and was just wearing a dress. Yeah. yeah. It just wasn't, it wasn't. And what's really interesting is that the judges love Joe's and they talk about modifying and elevating and throw rhinestones on it, do whatever yeah. you need to do. Um, but what you, what a lot of people don't realize is that the base dress of Joe's runway dress is a high street dress. Yeah. Because I own that dress. Oh, really? The I have that exact one. dress. Yeah. yeah. So I have that exact dress. It's from the collective. And um, as soon as it came out on the runway, I went, I've got that dress. Um, and my husband was like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing. Joe used the initiative to elevate that dress. Yeah. And yeah. make that dress part of it. Like, whereas... Literally for that challenge, he wore the H&M dress and belt. But why was it even... And wore any old wigs. My thing was, I think he'd have brought a selection of dresses for for mini challenges or the little things they do. And I think the rest of the team were like, well, we all have pink things. So it was like, okay, then. And I feel like, even though he was the team captain, I felt like he was being a team player because he hadn't been in the competition as long as the others. And I think he would have much rather have Mm. gone... It's Eurovision. Why don't we all go gothic and old school and weird and make yeah, that our gimmick? Like we had uh, Finland win with literal like orcs from Lord of the Rings won Eurovision. And I think if he'd have like really gone, I want to go for this as a deliberate look, it could have been a completely different story. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, what it was is that the group didn't think as a collective. No. They thought, okay, what have we got that got- could try and work? Yeah. Oh, we've yeah, all got right. some pink. Let's wear the pink. And that's, I think, as far as our concept Well, went. it was, it reminds me of season eight's girl group, or not girl group, but like Ben's challenge. And it was the shapes on their head. Yeah. And Derek Barry was a triangle or something. And yeah. the whole concept Rectangular was. Rectangular girls of the world. Yeah. yeah that they were shapes. <laughs> I'm, I'm so was... impressed you remember that song because it was trash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that. That's one of my that favorite was, episodes. I remember because it, it was trash. No, that song specifically was shit. But I agree with Chi Chi. It should have been a whole crazy over the top thing. Yeah, and I think I really like to see what Joe did have planned for the girl group challenge. Because I know that Sister's Eurovision look, because she spoke about it, was um, was blue. She brought right. a blue outfit, and so she borrowed Ellie. And so she was wearing Ellie Diamond's dress because it felt very Ellie Diamond, and she was wearing Tia's yeah. wig. 
Right. Why didn't they just stick to their guns and wear their own? Because that's what I loved so So much about. What I think would have worked for them, because of the choreography and and the style of those performers, I would have loved to have seen a Books Fizz parody. Yeah, absolutely. And they could have made, like, they had, like, a very, like, experienced seamstress. They could have easily made four circle skirts, some yeah. tearaways. Um, and, I, like, but obviously we don't know time constraints or whatever, yeah. what, what was available to them. Because I'd have loved to have seen the Buzzfig, uh, the Bucksfizz concept, but instead of it being the skirts, I almost wish they, like, ripped the top off and just all had, like, a nipple tassel and, like, took the idea of, like, a classic Eurovision thing, but just made it, like, extra camp and just kind of mm-hmm. taken every camp thing from Eurovision. Like, that skirt reveal was like, people lost their shit back in the day. <laughs> and it was just a skirt with a slightly smaller skirt underneath it. And it's like, I kind of wish they'd have ripped off a top and just had a little a top and just did like a jerk nod to that rather than, like you said, mm. just all wearing pink, which fell flat for me. Is Bucks Fizz a British Eurovision thing? Oh, piss off. I've <laughs> Right, in my defence, I've only lived here for two consecutive years. <laughs> Books first. Plus, you're, plus I've, you're never, I've never watched Eurovision. Uh, uh, well, I'm old. So, so Books Fizz. Heaven. <laughs> Books Fizz, right, imagine it. It was like old school bands. They're representing the UK in Eurovision. They all had a primary colour. So it was like red, blue, yellow and green. Yeah. And um, two men, two women. Two men, two women, and like, so it was, it was that primary colour and white, and they all had a different colour. And the girls all had, um, like, long skirts, and during the number, it was the, key the change, men would it? take the skirt off. It was a keychain. They took the skirt off, the girls, and they were wearing a shorter skirt underneath. That was it. So it was like, was it. it was the birth of the reveal. Yeah. It was the birth of the performance reveal. Because if I write, did, they, they won, didn't they, I think? I can't remember. I don't, I don't know if they did. Um, well, if they didn't, they were the I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm going to watch after. It was like in the 70s, I think. But it was like that iconic moment that kind of still gets jerked about as being like the iconic early years of Eurovision. And it literally was just taking a skirt off. But it's like, I kind of wish the girls that have done something equally stupid and made it like yeah. a proper referential moment. Do you remember like 2007, 2008 when they did that? It was like the fake... Um, X Factor thing. There was Geraldine McQueen, which is Peter Kay, yeah, doing yes. drag, and there was the band called Two Up, Two Down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, uh, two people in wheelchairs and then two people standing, and I fully thought because I was I'm again aging myself. I was like five and six at the time. I fully uh, thought that was real. I was like, I love Geraldine McQueen. I didn't even realize she was a bloody man. <laughs> I like that you I was, I was fully into like, you know, the bit where she's on the bike and she's oh, doing the born to run. I was, I was living for it. And I was like, this is like, she's a part of me, it was, it was when, it was when that character did a matchup of um, Umbrella by Rihanna. Yes! Free, Free Nelson Mandela. Free Nelson Mandela. Yes. <laughs> yes! Can I just say, we're all laughing about this. I genuinely have that on my, like, saved on my YouTube and I do rewatch it like every few weeks. Yeah. When I, I love to show Americans it. But what I love is you as a child believing the backstory of Two Up, Two Down. That yeah, no. Both women, thought... you know, like, there were, uh, were both couples and you believe that both women went off 
a, a waterfall in a water skiing accident. I, right, I don't remember the details of how that happened. I just remember for years afterwards, my dad would tease me about it because I was like, they did a bit. remember their mashup, that. Their mashup song was they sang Hero by, by Mariah Carey dressed as like Superman. And they lift, they hoisted them out of their wheelchair to rescue a cat from a tree. <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch this later. I'm have a bit seen... worried about how much of the details of this program you remember. Oh, this, this was... program was spectacular. Yeah, I don't remember anything from living in Scotland except this. I lived there for six years. <laughs> I remember this. It's the fact that you remember that and it was filmed in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, on the old X Factor stage. But... Because Peter Gay's from Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Was, well, they, they, was, I know they bought the old set of The X Factor. Sorry, this has become yeah. like a Geraldine McQueen podcast now. <laughs> and, but that was an iconic And they did it, and they got Gary Barlow to write the winner's song. And they did it as like an F.U. to Simon Cowell. And then Simon Cowell got annoyed. Because with <laughs> he got annoyed because Geraldine McQueen did better in the Christmas number one charts than like... In yeah. the actual song. And then he hired Gary Barlow later down the line to do X Factor. And you know it. how it was, like, obviously made so they won? Mm-hmm. I didn't realise that either. I was like, wow, they did really well in this. <laughs> the fact that you thought the whole competition was only that one finale. You were like, I must have been asleep for the last three we- three months of this show. No, I swear there was more than one episode. No, they did a joke after episode where it was like, a, here's what you missed on the season. Oh, <laughs> Donna's never going to come back on the podcast now. She's like, what are you on? I will say, it is a very problematic thing looking back now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Donna's like, so very have, you, have you enjoyed your time here tonight? <laughs> oh, shush. Speaking of the Superman hero thing, have you seen Tamisha Mon's drag daughter or drag family member do that oh. split from the ceiling? Candy Amanda Pree. Yeah, I yes. should have done that through the ice thing. <laughs> <laughs> that for me was probably one of the first sort of viral videos I remember seeing on YouTube. I remember, just, I remember seeing I don't know who this person time. is, but I'm fascinated. And then to me, she just casually dropped it in conversation, going, Oh, she's my daughter. I'm like, oh, The legend. <laughs> yeah, that was. Tamisha Amar. Tamisha Amar. Yeah. Are you ready? Tamisha Amar. It's, it's coming for you. For you. The show. The girl. Oh, the girl. But I will steer it back to the lip sync. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of iconic moments in British Of iconic history. moments, we now had a lip sync. And uh, I must admit, watching it, I definitely preferred what Tia did in her last lip sync to this one. Oh. Controversial, I... I know. If I'm honest, I hated this lip sync. It wasn't the most exciting, but I do still... I think... I think it just didn't. I think the song was great. I like. The I song. just think. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know. There was just something about. I think with. I think Tia was. I think Tia was in a position where she was like, "I don't know what I'm going to do," and Joe. I think Joe was just kind of like, "I'm just going to do this. Yeah, and it's going to get me through." That's it. I think Joe was there for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. yeah. He was just like, "It's been a pleasure to be brought back." I'm happy to be here. <laughs> That's, it made me kind of sad though, because I was like, "Come on, Joe." It was almost, It wasn't the same as like the Charlie Hyde's moment, but like if I was there, I would have been screaming from the back row. 
yeah, I think I think honestly, I probably think Joe didn't think he'd be there. I don't. Um, yeah, his look would have. To be honest, bar the whole H&M controversy, I probably wouldn't have had him there. I, I would have had Ellie Diamond in the bottom this week. Agreed. Yeah. Um, just because, like, I thought the Eurovision performance wasn't great. Uh, uh, Graham Norton made the iconic comment of that. The colour of Ellie's top was the <laughs> colour of dog vomit. Yeah. Um, I thought which, that was a bit harsh. It was accurate. He like... <laughs> it made me laugh. Yeah. Because <laughs> for me, um, they, they went really ham on um, a, like Joe's H&M dress. But Ellie's was literally a long sleeve top and a skirt. And that was yes. it. And I was like, like oh. <laughs> okay, what was Tears? Uh, a very nice dress. Tears was great. It was Tears' best like actual 60s... outfit. <laughs> like... Yeah, Tears was like a 60s dress and then she wore... It was like red um, and pink, paisley-esque with, with feathers and a big red wig. Like, I actually think it was the best Tears looked. Yeah. I really enjoyed her actual performance. Oh, it was that, yeah. Pink, like, ruffles in. Yeah. I just, like, I think Ellie, Ellie got by for the skin of a teeth. Yeah. Um, and I think she probably got props for doing something very bizarre on the yeah. runway um but yeah i i thought her and i thought her and joe were the weakest in the challenge and i thought the weakest runways in my opinion were ellie and um tears yeah that's how i felt as well this week and i think with joe it just goes to show that like how different like being in that competition is because obviously outside of it everyone knows what he can do and how fantastic mm. he is and then i think he's just i don't want to say too different to fit the drag ranks box but i think because i know the mold is expanding and changing but i do think like rupaul just had something against joe from the beginning <laughs> every time he like opened his mouth to it, it, he has never said anything nice i think the, the second he walked in and was like Joe Black, he went, ah, Mr. Charles. He just went, ah, I just don't like you. I mean, and I'm looking at, because you know how they did the little, like, promo for the banana drama when they were all stood holding a bananas? I'm, I've pulled up that now to find Tia's outfit. And he looks confused even then. And it was the same as in the Rats the Rusical when they said that Cherry was being, con looked confused, but she was actually doing her character. It was the same, but I think Joe was actually confused this time. I think probably... The thing is, like, if you're going to do these kind of characters that are going to look a little bit nervous or out of place, you need to ham them up. Yeah. And yeah, probably they don't think that, they probably think what they're doing is enough, but it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's something that's really interesting. And um, I think everyone talks about the drag race box and, like, what's going to fit the drag race box. And ultimately... Like, I don't, I don't think RuPaul hates Joe because no. <laughs> if RuPaul hated Joe, then he wouldn't have cast him on the show. Um, I think what it is is that they want to see what they do to rise to an occasion. Like, it is, yeah, there is a structure yeah. to it. There is a format to it. But I think it's what you do with that format. Yeah. And what you can, what you can showcase. Um, 
is is the interesting thing. Um, it's like you can take we can take like I would never ever ever have imagined bag of chips doing RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race. Me neither. But it was such a treat she, to watch it happen. Yeah. And she went on and she did her and it yeah. worked in her favour. And I think it all depends on it all depends on a, a full on factor of everything. Yeah. And um I think it's really interesting and I think dare I say it, like the UK is gonna trump uh, hey. uh, is gonna trump the US one. I think yeah. it is completely. Yeah. Um because it's a little bit fresher um, yeah. and and Brits like kind of interpret things in a very different way to Americans. Yeah. And I think that's something where it's like we we should be able to challenge the beliefs of Americans. And I like the fact that um the drags are giving reasons of why they're doing certain things. Yeah. Um but what we've got to remember is that it's they they can give the reasons and if if you give a reason that's good enough they'll probably go okay but ultimately it needs to read yeah yeah and i think on top of that the real tea of this week was that uh rupaul has a lot of shares in um boohoo.com and i think what he did was a very tactical move by diminishing, I don't want to see any H&M. goddamn H and M. And I think by diminishing H and M from the uh, the UK market, what he's actually done is increased his own finances uh, with his boohoo.com stock. I think he's fine <laughs> with his fracking, though. Yeah, he's like, I've got, I, I, <laughs> I've got fracking, and I've now diminished H and M. He's like a Bond villain at this point. <laughs> I, That's where the face I would love. From. I would love to see. Like, if Drag Race to ever to go on, like, Channel 4 or ITV, I really want H&M to be the sponsor. I do. So, so much. That, I, they, and I want Joe Black to be the advert for it as well. They Just him going. Me, though. <laughs> I think no. Channel 4 would happily take, take the piss a lot more if it does eventually move over. But I think BBC know they've got a good thing coming, and bonus, they don't have to pay anything. Like... <laughs> So I think for them, they're just like, we will keep we will keep paying to have this show here because it works and it's getting us good numbers. But I really, at this point, I want the Queens to have a real prize, not a random TV show where they go to America. Take it from a drag artist. Everyone would love there to be a prize for that reality <laughs> yeah. TV show. Because this is the thing as well, when he was like, oh, come on, you've got to work harder, spend more money on costumes. I thought, well, again, a pissing badge. Like... <laughs> In America, well, they, they at least get five grand an episode if they win yeah. something. Or <laughs> at least the, that dress, the Holland dress. Oh no, that was an that was an absolute travesty. <laughs> that was winning a dress. Yeah, and it, it winning a dress. I think winning dress. a dress is more. I think winning a dress is more insulting. Because once you've worn it, you've worn it. People know what it is now. I'm what kind of what made me laugh? <laughs> yeah, what on. made me laugh with Holland Drag Race was. Um, Obviously, it was like, you win this designer dress. And um, one of the contestants, I don't know if you watched Holland Drag Race. I watched one of the contestants. One of the contestants, Patty Pam Pam, um, who I know made a replica of the dress. (laughs) (laughs) So it diminished the prize altogether. And you know what? It was one of the best dupes I've ever seen in my life. I actually think that is comedy gold. But I'm. Oh, it's brilliant. 
we've got Spain now. We've got Australia. What are the prizes going to be? Like, do we think they're going to get money? I I think um, RuPaul's Drag Race, Dan and I, yeah. uh, will have, uh, I think it will have a cash prize. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. It all depends Spain, on the though. networks and, and, and the yeah. money that's behind it. That's yeah, like, ultimately, that's the Holland series was aired on a subscription service. Yeah. And it all depends on viewing figures, whether they had another series. And it was the same with Drag Race Thailand. Yeah. Um, and the same with Canada's Drag Race. Canada's Drag Race did really, really well. And the format was bought by the BBC. So it, so it had an yeah. international audience as well. Yeah. Um, so that- I think... It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing to see an interpretation of everything. Because this is it as well. And I know when they've said like, um, oh, like, because I think still to this day, we're getting so many American people commenting on like the forums and stuff being like, why isn't there a prize for the UK? And I think it's um, when people go, oh, well, I've seen The Apprentice and they used to win a hundred grand. I says, yeah, but that was out of Alan Sugar's pockets. He was investing in you. RuPaul has the money. That was the difference. RuPaul has the money, but he's not going to give them the money. (laughs) He could turn this fracking machine on for an extra half an hour. (laughs) Not the fracking. (laughs) Not with the print screen. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I hope I hope RuPaul doesn't find this podcast because my chance <laughs> for getting on the show will be absolutely toggled. I cannot wait until the day that you are and we get make drag great again hats. Yeah. I, oh, I already, I already know my entrance line. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because for me, I just want everything. Like I want any theme you can, even if it's not relevant, to just be an animal. I I literally want like the hungry hippo affairs. I want the, the theme to be like a books and beauty and you just come out as an ox. I just want everything to be like completely... <laughs> I want every theme to be so over the top stupid. Because, um, I mean, for me, I've said it so many times on this podcast already. So far, genuinely, I think my favourite outfit moment of this entire season was Ginny Lemon's reveal, where she revealed the same dress. Oh, that's iconic. genuinely this season i thought it was spectacular and i'm like for me as a like a, that is so british comedy camp yeah it was genius and i was like that's what i wanted like if i ever got on drag race not that i can do drag but if i did <laughs> that's what i would aspire to be i would want everything to be like a really tongue-in-cheek piss take of every challenge where possible <laughs> i think you have to like it's interesting and like what i loved what i love to watch about drag race is that i love to see drag artists be challenged in those moments of okay you have to interpret this theme and you have to deliver this theme and that's basically it they get given a phrase and they have to kind of channel it in an outfit and it can be so it it's so interesting to see how people think and and like it's all about execution and whether you have that kind of stability to go okay like I'm going to do this. I remember when I started doing drag and when I told people that I was going to do, so the first drag performance I ever did was that I was a 1940s housewife elephant. <laughs> Already I'm invested. I love that. <laughs> who, was, who, was married to, um, who was married to an abusive husband who was a <laughs> ringmaster. 
and it was pretty storyline <laughs> oh yeah like that's the thing with every animal i do yeah like i don't just do it because i'm like i'm gonna do this animal they have a they have a story yeah. they have they have a character like i name them all like <laughs> But that's, I don't tell everyone the names. Like, no, but, but you that's know. just something that helps me get into that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because was it, did you, was it the hippo you did for nightgowns? Yeah. So the hippo, the hippo actually came about with a conversation between me and Cheddar. Right. And um, I said that I wanted to do something that, um, I wanted to do something about performers and having to conform to like certain, uh, like restrictions that they had and um i remember Cheddar just going why don't you just be a hippo like just do a hippo yeah. um, and i was like oh and then i watched i watched fantasia and there was the whole sequence with the crocodiles yeah. and the hippo ballet <laughs> and um like they all have like their little stories like the walrus the walrus look i did was inspired by my nephew's bath toy right and there's a performance with that about the walrus who's scared of water um because my nephew would never bath without this um he would never bath without this like toy yeah um when he was really really small so i kind of have those those moments and those narratives and it's like you have to think about that expandable of, of how you tell a theme or a concept or a story and, and that's something that i really enjoy enjoy with drag race yeah because I, I, I joked before, I said, um, if I was ever on it, I'd want to have like a really silly sort of concept or character. And I like one of the names, my friend was like, oh, well, what drag name would you do if you went on it? And I joked and I said, my drag name would be costume pending. And every week I would just name whatever my look was. And I would just give that like a pun name. And that would be my character. My overall drag would be costume pending. Because that's... And- <laughs> That's and then I'd come out and they'd be like, who are you this week? And the, the theme would be cocktails or something. I'd be like, oh, I'm liver failure. And I would just build up my character that way. <laughs> like, that's what liver Jimbo failure. <laughs> and I would just do a pun name for every challenge I was given, but my overall name would be um, costume pending. That is, li- liver failure is an incredible drag name, but that's what Jimbo <laughs> wanted to do on Canada's Drag Race. Oh, really? They didn't really have, they used to use like different names and stuff and they wanted their name to show for each runway being a different one. because like, That's what I wanted to do. And yeah. the network wouldn't let them. They were like, no, you need to be <laughs> yeah, one name. I remember, talk- I remember talking to Jimbo about like characters and yeah. we, we spoke about like my animal stuff and, and their clowning. And, like we had, a, we had a conversation when we worked together and um, it, was, it was a really interesting combo to have about how they felt about their drag after going through that situation of being in that format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I think it's frozen. <laughs> Donna, we've, we've lost you. That oh, there you are. People would never ever. Ex- I'm here. There was a, sorry, there was a minor technical hitch. <laughs> we lost you for a second. Okay. I think we got up to... Am I uh, there now? You're there now. Yeah. yeah, we got up to you saying um, that Jimba was talking about like, the experience of changing names and wanting to build a character. Oh, yeah. So they were wanting to, like... You, you've both frozen on my end, so this is fine. Oh, sorry. Um, it's fine. <laughs> um, but we, they spoke about how it was really interesting to go through that format. And I think it's, 
like when you are some somebody that's quite conceptual or somebody out of the box like yeah we take Ginny for example like Ginny's probably the antithesis of <laughs> like a drag queen that has ever done yeah drag race like I but just to, to watch Ginny on drag race go through that experience of putting on a breastplate and putting on hips yeah. and putting on a corset putting on eyelashes which was a very bizarre thing for me to yeah. see. Um, <laughs> see Ginny even in a small heel. Like, I, I commended Ginny for doing that because it was something that was out of her comfort zone. But yeah. ultimately, if Ginny didn't want to do it, I know that Ginny would have been like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think she like, was like, do you know what? I'll give it a whirl. And she did it. And she was like, right, back to being Ginny Lemon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And that's what and I love like, about her. Hmm. She's unapologetically herself. And I think ultimately yeah. that's where the success stories of drag race happens. Like like yeah. Bagger. Yeah. Like Bagger was Bagger. Bagger literally turned up with her drag in bin bags. In bin bags. Wait, yeah. And that's the thing. I've been a fan of Bagger, like with Ginny, for, for years now. And when I heard she was going on the show, I was like, I'm so excited. But I genuinely thought the show would not get her and send her home first. So when I saw her like thrive throughout the competition, I was like, this is exactly what I needed. Like... I, think it's just, I think it's really interesting. And like, it's, it, I think it's an interesting commentary when people are like, oh no, RuPaul's trying to change the drag of the UK. And I'm like, he's not trying to change it. Like, ultimately, he wants you to be you, but he wants you to be committed to being yeah. your style of drag. Yeah. Like, and I think that's something where... I thought it was really interesting. Like, lots of people were talking about how it was really uncomfortable to see Ginny in a position where she was uncomfortable and she was talking about sexiness and reveal. Yeah. And, and, and I totally get that. But what was interesting was that I've never once seen the judges go, you're not in a heel, you're not wearing a lash, you're not corseted, you're not padded yeah. on the runway. Like, they never said it was a bad thing. No. Um, so... And I think what was interesting was that RuPaul, RuPaul kind of seemed to have got Ginny a little bit. Yeah, yeah I, I was actually surprised that Ru kind of bought into the, the Ginny Lemon story, really. And I was like, Ginny Lemon you... fantasy. Yeah, I was like, I'm glad you're seeing it because I think, like you said, in the UK, like, there's so many Ginny Lemon, like, super fans now. <laughs> like, she, cause, because of, like you said, who she is and what her work ethic is and just her being like yeah you know it was just a spectacular thing to watch like to just to see like, and witness i remember when they all got revealed and Ginny was the one that everybody overseas was the most intrigued about yeah yeah i i saw a lot of people lose their shit they were just like who is this? This isn't Dragon. And the other side were people being like, I do not know what this person is and I need to know who this person is. Yeah. Yeah. She was the most, by far the most polarizing person they've put on the season. Yeah. Oh yeah. And And I think, I think it's something that's very important. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's, it's something that we will end up seeing a lot more in Drag Race and Drag Race UK in particular because there are those queens out there that are conceptual or a little bit off the wall and aren't necessarily like the girls that you've seen on Drag Race before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's so fresh about it. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I hope, I hope within my heart of hearts 
we do see people outside the spectrum of like male presenting bodies on there i would love to see kings on there i'd love to see um trans performers on there i'd love to see cis women on there um because they are a part of the drag yeah um they're part of the drag community yeah and like there's no way that people can deny that um but ultimately it's something that will it will it will happen eventually and if it doesn't then it was it's it's an absolute shame because it'll be um, such a missed opportunity at this point to champion, like you said. Yeah. Because like, there's drag. Obviously, I know a lot of people go, "Oh, well, drag was always a man dressing up as a woman," but I think that's not really uh-uh. true. Drag is just a form of becoming a character. Yeah, and I think it. Oh, just... go on, Adam. I was going to say the people that are saying that are probably the ones that understand it the least, because I think drag at its core is it's gender fuckery. It's taking yeah. something and completely changing it and i don't think i know i described like the rupaul's mold which because to an extent it does exist but like drag has no mold it's i think the most like free-flowing art form there is yeah and it's like this season we've had uh in in america we've had got mick who's the first openly uh female to male trans contest that they've ever had and i pray that that <laughs> isn't just used as a gimmick and being like oh, we've done that now. Now we don't have to do it again. I hope that it's yeah. like, yeah. we've done it and this is a starting point to have these uh, flows and dynamics because I think if they do it just so that Ru, like the show can silence people that go, you don't use trans people. Um, I think it needs to be, we've done it and we're going to continue to do it. We've accepted this is part of our format and this is how it should carry on. And I think in the UK, there's so many like fascinating like... Um, bio queens and uh, drag kings and all these different people that i think you you want to see that real spectrum of uk drag art yeah um because it is diverse and i think as a country i think because i suppose the drag race uk formula has less to lose because you're not fighting for a massive amount of money it's you can just go on there and i think that's what made the first season brilliant as well as everyone just went on to have a laugh and I think that's what you get from the yeah. UK season is everyone just seems to get on and have fun. And I like that there's that dynamic. And I think really we could be the sort of the show within the Drag Race franchise to be able to push boundaries a lot more because, well, we're the UK. We're pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Um, have you watched Dragula? Oh yeah, of course I have. I, was, I, I think I have, I, have more, I have more hope for season four of Dragula being diverse than a drag race season in the next few years because they've already had um, a female queen. They've had non-binary queens. I had Landon Slider, the first drag king. Like I think season four is going to be, and I think, well, like you're saying, doing it for the right reasons. Um, I think the Boulets really have a vision of we're going to pick talent from everywhere. And no matter who they are or what they are, if they're talented, they're going to be on the show. I think that's something that I think the Boulets have built a brand and a format that works for them. Yeah, and it's work, and they're trying to they're trying to work for something that necessarily they believe is a representation of their working drag circuit. Um, not everyone will fit the format. It's like not everyone will fit their format. No. It's just that, like, it's that I would never, like, it's funny because, like, I've had 
like I've worked with Dragula contestants and they're like, oh, you'd be really good on this show. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'd fit that formula. Like, I love everything that the Boulay stand for. And yeah, um, I think, but for me, I'm like, I wouldn't fit that formula. Because Do you know who just... would? Faramon. Go on. <laughs> I would love to see Faramon. Far- <laughs> I would love to see Faramon attempt to do Dracula. <laughs> I just come in and be like, "Hi, Jesus everyone!" Be like, Christ. <laughs> everyone else dressed there like a little death death mask, and she comes in dressed as Christina Aguilera, and they're like, "Huh." <laughs> oh I think that's the crossover we need to see. Um, it needs to be like a Dragula race spin-off where they put the contestants on there. <laughs> Put Dragula on Drag Race and Drag Race on Dragula and see how they both fare in each other's competition. Comet Relief did an EastEnders and Coronation Street special. This could be the one. (laughs) I request that Geraldine makes an appearance. Geraldine! (laughs) Can we we please get Peter K out of uh, Geraldine retirement (laughs) to come and be a guest judge? That's a fantastic idea. Comedy challenge, Geraldine. Uh, do we know anyone that works at the BBC? I just, I, I, I don't think we should get the, the cisgendered man to bring back his, his trans character. It was a different time, it was a different time. I think there's just something a little bit risky there. Just a smidge. Yeah. Channel forward gambler, I don't think the BBC will. Imagine a judging panel of RuPaul, Geraldine McQueen, <laughs> Dame Medna and Mrs Brown. Oh, Mrs. Brown can get in the bed. Oh, God. That's just, no. That's like, that's like, that's my worst nightmare. See, that was my actual fear that was going to happen on the show. I genuinely thought the guest judges were going to be people like Mrs. Brown's boys. What makes me laugh is that Mrs. Brown, like when you watch (laughs) an episode of Drag Race UK, Mrs. Brown is the next suggested thing. It was a sad goodbye to Joe this week. It's a hello to another gin for me. And we've had a beautiful time on this podcast. Thank you very much, Donna Trump. Thank you, Adam. Oh, thank you. And it's been a pleasure as always. Now we need to get this gossip, so we're disappearing. And we'll see you all next <laughs> week. <laughs> Au revoir, everybody. There's no gossip to be had. <laughs>